0: We just had our ticket scanned. We're inside Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Indianapolis Colts. As we walk through the concourse, we see the food vendor, a beer stand, people selling Colts merchandise, and then we arrive at our seats.
1: There's a lot that goes into putting on an event for 70,000 spectators, from the ushers who directed us to our seats, to the ticketing agent who reserved these seats. Then. There's the janitorial staff, security staff, payroll, catering, communications, retail, grounds crew, and a number of other roles that are crucial for an event this size.
0: And with all this in mind, we haven't even gotten to the players, the performers, the reason we came to this game. But here we are, May 2020, many major sports leagues are still suspended, so What are all these people doing today? How are they managing their money when society is at a standstill?
1: On this episode, we'll be looking at how a professional athlete and a stadium worker are dealing with their finances during the pandemic.
0: Isaiah Johnson is a NFL defensive back, and Marvin Spratly is a grill cook at the Wells Fargo Center. They both join us on the Sports on Pause podcast. Isaiah Johnson is not just an NFL player. He's a university graduate. Came out of Georgia Tech class of 2014, where he graduated. He's now a safety in the NFL, but he's looking for some safety and some security off of the field, which is why his education hasn't stopped. He's studying finance in his time off, and he's actually doing it via Financial Finesse, the nation's largest independent provider of financial wellness programs. And before we get into your career, Isaiah, why, at the height of your career, are you thinking about finances on the side of your everyday life as an NFL player?
2: I would say, because right now, this time of my life, I'm actually starting to find my my new path in life, another path in life, and that's using my voice. So with me, you are finding my voice. I'm giving back to my community, and I want to be able to articulate myself well. And when it comes to finances, I feel like now at, at this time of my life, I've stacked enough um, bread to start to use my money in investments. So now I need to start educating myself. So now that I'm finally awakening up, and I should have been turning this um, this switch on, but I feel like now is the perfect time because of my platform. And, you know, a lot of people are listening to me. So why not try to become an expert in this new lane? I'm just finally waking up <laughs> to seeing that it's very important to take control of your finances.
0: Well, it's a message that everyone is paying attention to now, specifically because of what COVID-19 has done to the economy in North America. You have record unemployment in both the United States and Canada. For you as a professional athlete and your finances, how has the pause on sports impacted the way you manage your money?
2: I would say it's impacted because now you're able to go back in, in your history. Now, I've been looking at my bank statements To look at, okay, how I've been spending my money and now that I'm locked up in the house to a degree, you know, this is a good time to start practicing your budget, you know, knowing what you should spend your money on instead of just going out in in this world and just being reckless and careless. So it's very important right now because of the unemployment rate going up.
0: Another devastating headline is rocking the economy.
3: An historic, expected Still sobering and very disheartening number coming out.
0: The numbers just out today are staggering. The number of Americans filing for unemployment, a record 3.8 million filed just last week. About 31 million since the stay-at-home orders were put in place across the country. It's been a challenge for people
3: all over and right here in Detroit. You don't get no luck at all. You don't get no luck on the chat. You don't get no luck calling in. Cannot get through, you always get knocked off. The main problem I'm
0: seeing here in Michigan, getting online to file. The system has been overwhelmed and the phones have been jammed.
1: The hardest hit industries are trade, transportation and utilities,
0: construction and hospitality, with a total of more than 14 million furloughed.
1: Prior to the crisis, about 11% of Americans suffered from food insecurity. And we have every reason to believe that those statistics are increasing dramatically in the current time period. And so, is that the unemployment rate right now? 16%, you're saying? The and what's the historical context? would be, le- I mean, look, this, we clearly have an unemployment rate today that is the highest it's been since the Great Depression. This is far worse than the Great Recession. This is worse than 1982. No real playbook for it, as well. I mean, there are some concerns that the economic figures aren't even capturing all the people who've been sidelined by this just yet
2: and even though football players to a degree feel some type of security but it's a lot of players that you know have no clue what they're going to do after football or even if a call is going to come in because currently I'm a free agent right now so I'm not even with the team at this particular time so you know I got to start thinking about okay this may be the end you know always always got to have that mindset this may be the end because anything can happen So with what I have right now, I have to make it last for pretty much a lifetime, you know, so I want to make this money grow. And that's what I'm trying to learn at this particular moment.
1: You were an undrafted free agent when you came into the league. So, you know, our audience should understand you weren't coming into the league like LeBron or Joe Burrow. You sort of self-made here. You made the NFL and then ultimately got on a roster. So We're not talking the million, multiple, multiple millions of dollars. At the same time, you're a professional athlete. Professional athletes make far more than the average citizen. Can you give our listeners just a sense of when you're dealing with this money at a young age, as you did, or you know, mid 20s, early 20s? Like, how overwhelming can that be when you go from being a college student, probably with not a ton of money, and then all of a sudden you're a professional athlete and the checks coming in are something you've never experienced before?
2: <laughs> it's a dream come true. It's a dream come true. But the, the, I would say the, the part that that's overwhelming and uh, got to be careful of, from the moment you, you receive that check, you've been thinking about spending that money on items. I'm going to get a new car. I'm going to get a house for my mom. I'm going to get new clothes. You know, So you already have that bucket list attached to yourself before you even get that first check. So when you first get that check, all tops, you're thinking about wow, I've been praying for this moment, so let me, you know, execute what I've been planning so far. So, so that part becomes I don't want to say overwhelming, it's just you become that big kid, like you're in a candy store and you can get whatever you want. And if you don't have that right mentorship, right coaching in place before you receive that check, it becomes a dangerous game. It becomes a dangerous game. So, early on, you know, when for myself, I was undrafted. I didn't make as much money in, in the beginning. So I've already groomed myself to know that, okay, it's going to be work. I need to put that work first and play later. Even though I still made it into the league to a degree, you know, I was a tryout guy and I ended up making the um, part of the team. I was on the, um, the practice squad. And then I eventually got up to the um, to the active roster. So I still had that mindset that I needed to work first and play later. So I never spoiled myself. I would say I kind of just held my grip uh, strong to my cash, and uh, it just let it build up. and save, save, save. So that's kind of been my whole motto: just save.
1: Isaiah, this might not be—I uh, mean, clearly it probably didn't uh, necessarily um, wasn't part of your world. But for you know your teammates, for just people in the league, can you give our listeners a sense of just like—is there peer pressure? when these checks start coming in to spend like the guy next to you spending, to get the same kind of car that he has, to get the same kind of gear or clothes that one of your teammates does. I wonder if it, if there is a peer pressure aspect to it and is that tough to sort of just avoid and be like, I got to, I got to do what's best for me and I can't get into this arms race in terms of spending.
2: Oh yeah, that's the biggest pressure there is for sure. Yeah, because when you step into a locker room, first of all, you put in the same amount of work as a first round draft pick, and you may even look better than the first round draft pick. So when you come, when you see the first rounder or anybody, anybody coming to the locker room, you know, looking nice, got nice cars, and then we always, it's always good to have team bonding um, events. You always want to hang out with your teammates outside of, of the facility. In most cases. <laughs> a lot of these guys like to go to high quality places such as clubs and you know want to get the bottles and, and VIP treatment and that comes with the bill. And that check <laughs> is a nice dollar. So if you are a low-drafted, undrafted guy, that's a tough game to play. And even when you first get that game check, you don't want to spend all that money towards that. But that pressure being around your team, man, it's real. It is it's definitely real because you want to be able to to still hang out with your boys outside of the, of the facility. But, you know, it's one of those things you got to have a, a real tough conversation with yourself and your teammate be like, man, I cannot do this. understand where I am on the chart. <laughs> like, and, and a lot of times, you know, the big players uh, with the big dollars, they normally take care of everyone. But even when I'm talking to those guys, you know, you got to be wise because this money is short-lived. So you you gotta make sure you count every dollar and make sure every dollar is is doing something for you.
0: People assume all athletes are rich. Your friends, family, they always expect you to pick up the check and servers expect you to tip big. Can you put in perspective after Uncle Sam takes his cut and after you, you know, divvy up your expenses in terms of investing in yourself in the offseason, trying to get better as a football player, take care of your body and your food. After all of those football-related expenses, how much of your actual check is left? How much do you have as disposable income?
2: Um, it's not much. It's not much to let you sit freely for the rest of your life or for years. So just to give you a breakdown to a degree, you know, we get a check, weekly check for like $12,000, $13,000 dollars. And that is after um, the government takes their cut. So you, you're left with $12,000. It's 16 games. You have 16 games of $12,000. Each check really should be for a month, at least a month. I understand. Like, I, that's why I try to break up. Every check is per month check. So I have my rent. So I normally pay out of that $12,000. I got a rent. I was living in California, and that California rent is crazy. So that's three grand off tops. So three grand now you're left with uh, nine thousand dollars. I have a car, so I either have a, hopefully your car is paid off, but I wasn't paid off at the time. So that's five hundred with uh, insurance. So that's five hundred. I eat a lot. That's a, a thousand, <laughs> honestly a thousand with restaurants. But this goes into the budget and understand you got to make cuts. So you know roughly with all those expenses, after a twelve thousand dollar check, you end up with maybe I would say seven left over. And then that goes into your savings. But then in the off season, you don't get paid at all. So you have 16 checks at $7,000. That's $112,000. So that should last you. I will break that up into two years if you don't have any other stream of income coming. So that will easily get ate up in two years. So each check should last you two months, three months. And understand that. So, But a lot of people run through their game checks because they want to compete with their team. They want to go to the club. They want to spend money on bottles. They want to get all the nice jewelry, nice clothes. Not understanding that once that the end of the season ends, you're on your own. And hopefully you, you can re-up and get to another contract the following year. But if not, you have two years left until all your dollars go away. And now by that time... You're already develop a whole new living style. Now you want, you're going to try to keep up with the Joneses trying to impress everybody. And that's where a lot of athletes fall because they want to keep up with the Joneses and you know, they're, they're not aware of the other ways to make income. Honestly, other than the big, we're not talking about the big dog. Cause the big dog is going to be okay at the end, at the end of the day.
0: This past season, Marshawn Lynch famously said, Save your chicken. And it was talking about the same things that you're breaking down for us. If some of those checks don't come because the season doesn't start on time or you're not able to play as many NFL games and revenue dips, are there going to be a large number of players living check to check that end up in tough financial situations?
2: A large number? I I, I pray, I pray not, but. Yeah, that for sure. That for sure will. I've actually had uh, two teammates. I don't want to put them on blast, but I had two teammates that actually asked another teammate for some cash to make his ends meet. Not during this period of time, but just this was a year ago. And just to be part of that and and experience that real life situation going on in effect with an NFL player it's really scary. It's really scary. So now during this time of Corona, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray for these guys. <laughs> I'm going to pray for them. I, I do expect, I expect that to happen. I'm going to say that. I expect for, for it to happen. Because it's all, it's all about training. It doesn't, it, it shouldn't start when you make it to the league. It should start when we first start playing the game of football when we're in middle school and high school. And understand that's when you your profession starts. That's when your career starts. I've been playing football for 27 years now. And now, finally, the last two years, I'm starting to think, you know, how I should be able to, to budget and plan and educate myself on finances. Nah, it comes with its territory. I think that should be ingrained in this when we first pick up a football.
1: You know, whenever we get a professional athlete or an athlete in their sport, uh, I think the audience always finds it interesting how they sort of will go about the idea of playing again. Can you give me a sense of just where your comfort level would be in terms of training, in terms of practicing, in terms of being in close quarters with other teammates? You know, you'd logically have to think that they'd be testing all the time, but I just want to get a sense from you like, are you worried? Are you doing your own education? How are you approaching the idea of being, you know, in close quarters again with a lot of people?
2: Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) That's a really good question. Because my whole mindset during this time has been not necessarily me. It's been more so protecting my mom, protecting others that needs protecting because of their health and and immune system. So I feel like, you know, until I hear an athlete, you know, going down from corona, then it will bother me. But during this time, I'm hearing all the, uh, you know, the elder and people with some type of um, health issue going down from the corona, I honestly, personally, I don't I won't feel too bothered about being in the locker room, especially if I'm not going home to anyone of an older age or anyone in general. It's it's just me at this point. So I feel comfortable with going to locker room, practicing, doing everything and going home and just being to myself. But from the whole effect, I don't see everyone going, you know, having that same uh, mindset because I have coaches. I've had coaches that's been, you know, fall into that elderly category and I will be mindful of of their protection during this time of us coming together. So I think that would be, you know, something that would be on my mental going back into, you know, the office. So it's not about the players. It's about the coaches. It's about the GMs. It's about the people that works for the players.
0: You speak of that team. What are your concerns financially? About the members of that team in the organization that don't make as much as you check to check the equipment guys, the custodial workers, people in concessions, people in marketing and promotion uh, do you have a fear for all of the people who have subsidiary jobs around the actual roster
2: um yeah that's that's real big i I wish i was I would say I was in a uh, better situation I could make a, a donation of course but um I think for something like that us players should come together which we have in the past and bless you know our custodian workers bless uh, our equipment guys but you know that's neither here or there that's kind of part of this whole pandemic you know it's a lot of a lot of people out of um that's unemployed right now so for those people take full advantage of the government right now because the government are cutting checks because whatever's going on at in the Oval Office, they're helping out. They are helping out to a degree.
0: What, if anything, have you heard from the PA in terms of best practices or advisement on what might be happening in the future? There's been lots of talk about what the MLB PA and NBA PA and NHL PA have done in conjunction with their players, less so in the NFL. Has there been a dialogue back and forth?
2: is at a still. Everything's at a standstill. You know, they will do a good job once they know. But right now, I've been checking in with even my um, coaches that I'm, you know, no longer playing with right now, but just checking in to see how they're doing on this time and, you know, making moves or what's going on. And everyone is at – is totally lost for words on what the future looks like at this particular time other than, you know, we're, we're praying to make it to the season. The season still looks – you know, like it's still going to happen. But as far as off-season plans, um, training camp, all this stuff, no one truly knows. So we just got to play it, you know, day by day and see what's going to happen. But the NFL PA, I, it's just like the rest of the world. <laughs> right now we're just waiting to see, waiting to see what's going to happen.
0: Well, we hope whatever happens for you is both positive, not only professionally but with your physical health and financial wealth. Thank you so much for this enlightening conversation.
1: Thank you you know Donovan. I really appreciated isaiah's um his honesty and transparency there. You don't often get professional athletes to feel like sort of go to the places he went to in in our interview from what it's going to be like for him when he gets back to the facility to what he, I think there were a lot of things that stood out to me, but the the idea that this guy is sort of thinking beyond himself was pretty great. Like thinking about when it comes to COVID-19, his mom, he's thinking about the people in his facility, coaches and personnel, people who are older than him. You know, he ostensibly came on the show to talk about financial literacy maybe the most compelling thing he discussed was just how he's looking at this as a humanist in a sense.
0: Yeah, it's very true. And I would understand if he was feeling a little selfish right now and not selfless. You look at an NFL career at the best of times, depending on the position, the average is anywhere from one to three seasons. And if you have a season lost or a season truncated, that could impact your wealth, not just now, but for the rest of your life. So the fact that he was literally thinking of others as he is currently a free agent in this murky period for all sports was incredible. And I think the part that I appreciated was that some of the same questions that he is asking himself rhetorically about finance are the same questions that a lot of us are, no matter industry, no matter age, demo, or earning potential. And when you look at the fact that in the last week in the country that he's in, the United States, you have 1.5 million jobless claims, over 200,000 people looking to defer their mortgages. And again, unemployment in both Canada and the United States at record numbers, you have a lot of angst. And that's the meal ticket who's thinking that way, the NFL player. So naturally, The people who are around the team making meals, they have some of the same struggles, if not much, much greater degree, because they don't have the earning potential. Unite here is a union for food and beverage workers in cities like Chicago, Brooklyn, Boston, New York, and Philadelphia. And Marvin Spratley is a line cook at Wells Fargo Center. He's part of the Philadelphia chapter. And he joins us to talk about what the realities are for someone who's working at a stadium with no business right now.
2: Major League Baseball postponing the season, the Phillies' third-party concession workers are struggling to get by. Last month,
0: each of the MLB's 30 teams promised a million dollars to its workers at stadiums across the country, but that plan does not include Aramark workers
1: who provide concessions during games. It's unsettling because I don't want to worry myself, you know, just, you know, trying to figure things out. But it is scary not knowing if tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, if I'll be able to feed my children. We make the premier experience. It's us who makes it an experience down there. Not you're just walking in circles watching a game.
2: I'm concerned about just keeping the lights on and keeping the mortgage paid and the car payment, the insurance,
1: the basics.
0: This pandemic is really taking
2: its toll on a lot of our futures.
1: We need the Flyers to step up because me and my co-workers are who make the game happen.
0: Now on the Sports on Pause podcast, we have the pleasure being joined by Marvin Spratley, a worker at the Wells Fargo Center, home of the Philadelphia Flyers and 76ers. And Marvin, we've talked a lot on this podcast about COVID-19 and it impacting lots of the sub economies around sports how has COVID-19 impacted a stadium worker like yourself
3: well it's impacted me a lot like the money decrease and when the money decrease it's like everything goes the same around you, you know? you're not getting up going to work every day then you have people asking for stuff then you gotta
1: buy your kids stuff you gotta buy yourself stuff and you don't have no income to do it Marvin, uh, let's take a step back and give our listeners just a sense of who you are and how you got your job. Um, How long have you been working as a grill cook in the concession stands for the Flyers, the 76ers, and the Eagles? And and how did you first come about uh, getting this uh, job as a cook uh, in the concession stands?
3: Well, I got the job about two years ago. I went on Indeed, indeed Indeed.com. I applied for MD and they told me to come to a job fair. Went to the job fair, got hired, and they didn't call me till like, maybe three months later. It's quite kind of funny because I was about to do another job, and then that's when the Wells Fargo Airmark called and said, come on in. I said, I'm close to home. Might as well. Might as well go work. And that was one of the best decisions I ever made. I love everybody that I work with. You know, it's so fun and so amazing, especially the fans that come out and cheer for these teams.
0: And what is the status of your employment? Were you a contract worker, a subcontractor? How was that classified?
3: Well, it was classified underneath. I guess I might have been a subcontractor with with because my prime work is Amarc, but I work at Wells Fargo Center.
1: And Marvin, uh, can you give us a sense of um, during your two years there? I would imagine you may be an hourly employee by Aramark, and just sort of give us a sense of. um, of how you get paid, if you're comfortable, you could, you're could. you certainly welcome to let us know how this money obviously uh, now impacts uh, uh, you given we're in the uh, middle of this pandemic.
3: Well, I got paid hourly. I got paid every Thursday on a direct deposit card. And I normally get up early in the morning, go get my daughter her pampers, go get the, some money for rent, put up, and put a little bit of money in my pocket and get up, go to sleep, and go back to work and make the money all over again. Now that the money stopped, it's less money for doppers, less money for rent, less money for food. So I'm just trying to stretch everything that I have. The money that I was saving up for my, my wedding, I had to go in that, put money, get food, get pampers. So I guess when I go back to work, whenever I go back to work, I got to start back over again, save up for my wedding.
0: When the pandemic became much bigger in North America. What was communicated to you and to the other workers in terms of what your employment status was going to be moving forward?
3: Well, on the day on the news where the, when it really, really hits that they say don't go to the Wells Fargo Center that was closed, it's all on the news. But Amer never called me till like the day after. Actually, they didn't even call me. They texted me. They said go file for unemployment. And we were scheduled to work on that day. So I know a lot of people went down there and they couldn't get in because we're supposed to work like the rest of that week. And they only let us know like the day after that the news announced it.
1: Has our mark given you any kind of indication as to what happens until there's no sports? And then just as important, like are they guaranteeing that people will get work again once uh, these games start existing in Philadelphia?
3: Well, there's no communication from Anmark. The last communication I got was the day that I told you that after they closed the Wells Fargo Center and they said it on the news, that's when they texted and she just said, go file unemployment. That's the last I heard from them.
0: Marvin, how worried are you? I hear some urgency in your voice. What concerns do you have about this situation?
3: That it's never going to be resolved. That's the scariest part. And the financial strain on my family. And I had a sick daughter. She got sick cell. and I also suffer for diabetes too. And our medication, our medication is coming late. With my medication, is coming late. So it's been here two weeks ago. Haven't received it yet. It's a lot going on in this world. And as the money running low and food running low, and they're closing food plants, I'm getting worried where our next meal is going to be.
0: The medication that you mentioned for yourself and for your daughter. Did you have benefits as a worker to be able to get that health coverage, or was that something that you had to pay for out of pocket?
3: Well, I have um, welfare benefits, but with mine, I got to buy certain things with my medicine sometimes because sometimes that uh, insurance I got doesn't cover certain things. Like I got sciatica, so they don't cover the luricane patches and other stuff for it, so I'll come out of the pocket.
0: You mentioned the money is running short how much longer can you stretch your wedding savings and be able to provide?
3: Well, my wedding savings is down. It's down to $65.43. And food is, the price of food is going up in the markets too. That's when you could find food. So it ain't going to be that much longer. I just got to just stretch everything one day at a time.
0: The sad thing is this is a scenario that is not unique to you. There are other workers that you work with, others across North America. People listening to this, is there something that they can do? Is there something you want them to know?
3: Well, well I wanted the people to know that hopefully we get past this epidemic. Hopefully we, everybody go back to work. And I'm praying for everybody. I'm praying for everybody's family. I want everybody to stay home, stay safe, help your kids, kiss your mothers, call your daughters the way that you can
0: well thank you for providing your perspective and i'm now praying for you too and your daughter marvin thank you so much and you take care and stay well
3: you're welcome thank you for having me on
0: so richard we have the ability to talk to a lot of people on this podcast who no matter what happens over the next couple months with this virus, they're gonna be okay. Sadly that's not the case for everyone and Marvin beautifully let us know his situation and it was sobering to hear. Um that that hit hard.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, one, obviously our prayers and thoughts go out to Marvin and his family and um and we hope he gets he finds work soon. Uh or at least is sort of covered by sort of government subsidies until that work comes back but that's a sobering reminder of of how this has really hit people uh and people who don't have means to or haven't got a ton of resources to fall back on it makes i'm sure donovan i don't want to speak for you but i'm sure you agree with this it certainly reminds me how fortunate i have it during this uh during this crisis and it's just a reminder that like people are really suffering and and struggling and uh, and you know I'm going to be thinking about Marvin and and I hope that this I hope that this sort of hope we get through this fast enough where he can get back to work and uh, and start uh, replenishing the funds that are clearly clearly low for him right now.
0: Yeah, the inequities that we have as a society get exacerbated in tough times like this. My hope is that stories like Marvin's, maybe over this period, cause us to analyze how we do things and the situations that a lot of people are are put in. And hopefully the real life pressures that people like Marvin face don't... um, cause real harm for themselves and for others. So sometimes sports is a nice venue to talk about things that are much more important. And Marvin's story is definitely the case.
1: Well, on this episode, we had, um, you know, we sort of saw the COVID-19 virus from two very different viewpoints. One, a professional athlete, National Football League player, and the other who provides you service when you go to one of these games and want to head to the concession stand, Donovan?
0: Yeah, it uh, is a scenario, sadly, that, you're right, Richard, it's a scenario that impacts all of us in this society in different ways. And that's why part of this podcast, we want to be a service to everyone and point out some bits of journalism that we thought was really helpful in unpacking and understanding what we're up against. And I'll start and I'll give you two. I mean, no industry right now is being hit harder than the airline industry and tourism in general. And the Los Angeles Times has a very good read about when can we travel again and what will travel look like? What the prices might be and how do you social distance on an airplane safely? And the other thing in sports fans, they love data, they love stats. And the Insider News has an article explaining why COVID-19 death predictions will always be wrong. And I think we look at these numbers and we think that they're fact and often at the best they're modeling projections. And so those are the two things that I consumed recently that I'd love to share. Richard, you've always got good ones. What do you got this week?
1: Well, there's a lot to choose from, but this week I want to give a shout out to McLean's uh for our Canadian audience obviously macleans.ca and they've just done a really good job of covering this comprehensively saw the other day they had a heat map of coronavirus cases in Canada they've had a lot of medical experts uh in their pages or on their online pages to answer questions such as can i get the coronavirus twice and and all sorts of other what i think is really service-oriented, helpful articles on this. So a shout out to McLean's for doing some very good work on this virus. Shout out to you
0: once again for making it this far and listening. Thank you. We much, much, much appreciate the fact that you continue to come back and you continue to like, favorite, share, subscribe. So please continue to do so if you haven't yet. But more importantly, stay safe, take care of yourself and others.